Hi, my name's Fola, and uh, we're gonna. So, this is a little uh, experiment where where we decided to maybe look at every episode of Mad Men and uh, see what we think about each each and every episode. We just we just get into it, and then then we don't have to kind of bumble around trying to work out what Let's to say. Let's do it. Let's get on with it. All right. Okay. So, this episode focuses on episode one, season one. Smoke gets in your eyes. In general, what did you think of this episode? So I think it's 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 interesting when you're going to watch something and you're going to talk about it on a podcast because you're almost sort of like looking for things to sort of talk about. Yeah. Um, on the whole, I think I agree with what you're saying where if you just watch it on sort of surface value, and it's quite interesting because I've got an interest in history and, and that sort of stuff and um, a lot of the original real mad men take a massive issue with it because they sort of call it a soap opera of the ad agencies back yeah. then. Um, and I can kind of see where they're coming from. Yeah, soap like operas seem fine to me. To very, very typecast characters almost. Like, you know, they're all these suave businessmen. Yep. You know, it's very, like, sexist and yep. misogynistic. And it's very, like... And I was watching it, and I have to say, I was just like, I don't like any of these people. <laughs> like, why, why did we watch this film? <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was my kind of first thoughts on watching it again was I, did, I enjoyed it. But everyone kind of raves about it being a masterpiece. I don't know if I feel that way. How much? But it feels wrong. Like, everything that's going on is just kind of, like, really kind of... Yeah. But, um... So, from my point of view, um, one thing that I find really interesting about this episode and every episode of this show is, like you said, the title. Mm -hmm. And um, so basically, my one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because I feel like with every single episode of Mad Men, there's a theme kind of um, attached to it. Okay. And the theme is always about... So the big thing about Mad Men is obviously Don Draper is this character who doesn't talk. He's very sort of part of this... Of, of what men were at the time, where mm -hmm. they, were, they wouldn't speak, they wouldn't say anything. They would kind of like suffer in silence, very stoic and sort of like... You know, um, without getting into too much of it, um, the uh, the cycle Freud, Freud set up this whole thing and this whole kind of idea of like stoicism. How do you say it? Stoicism. 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 And I don't know much about it, but I do know it involves not being getting over emotional about stuff and like holding stuff in, and it's all kind of prevalent around this time. Uh, so that's kind of your main problem with your main character is he doesn't really say anything. So how do you sort of like get across what he's thinking? I, I almost disagree with you a little bit. I, I feel like he he's almost like entirely vocal about how he feels about things. And in the sense that, you know, he, he isn't afraid to sort of say what he thinks. I mean, obviously, we're going to get into it later. But there's that scene um, with, uh, I can't remember her name. The, Rachel? The, yes. Um, <laughs> and she... Basically, he sort of says, I'm walking out of this meeting because this isn't right. And yeah. I think that's not, that's that's him saying what he, he thinks. But I yeah. think there is what you're talking about is that there is, there's an internal struggle with yeah. him yeah. between what he wants to do, yeah. what he should do, and how he feels yeah, about those things. That's that's kind of what yeah. I'm getting at. There's a, there is an, in, that, the, yeah, that's probably a better way of putting it. There's an internal struggle and the whole show 
is built around his eternal his internal struggle and what he really feels about a situation or what the healthy option mm. for him to choose is in that situation but we'll get to all that kind of stuff uh-huh. but i do want to say um this episode is called uh, smoke gets in your eyes yeah and i feel that that kind of pulls us into the main topic of the episode okay which is smoking not really. No. <laughs> oh, well, they smoke a lot. <laughs> they do smoke a lot. It is a bit, but basically, smoke gets in your eyes. This is my. This is the way I feel about it. Is uh, there's a song called "Smoke Gets in Your Eyes." Okay. And I'm gonna read you some of. The, actually, I'll read you a bunch of the lyrics. So I'm gonna find them. I had them written down somewhere. Uh, so smoke gets in your eyes. Um, so duh. they asked me how I knew my true love was true. Oh, I. Oh, I, of course, replied, something here inside cannot be denied. Uh, they said, some, someday you'll find all who love are blind. Oh, when your heart's on fire, you must realize smoke gets in your eyes. So I chafed at them and I gaily laughed to think that they could doubt my love. Next today, my love has flown away. I am without my love. Now laughing friends deride, tears I cannot hide. Oh, so I smile and say, when a lovely flame dies, smoke gets in your eyes. So, (laughs) so what I find interesting about that song is I think it sets up the feelings on the whole episode. And so if we assume like, I'm going to just say it out what I think. I think this episode is about... It's about risk and it's about shame and it's about expectations and it's about meeting those expectations and what happens if you don't. And yeah, so I think as we go through the episode and we sort of talk about what's going on, um, we can sort of like explore that. I don't know what you think. Um, well, I mean, if you want to talk overall themes. Yeah. So um, like I can say I'm probably a bit more basic, but I wrote that I thought the theme was Selling bad things and making them sound like good things. Because, I mean, they're trying to sell cigarettes yep. and make them sound great. Yep. They're trying to sell the job to Peggy and make it sound great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. You know, he's trying to sell a lifestyle yep. and making it sound great. Yeah, and I'm just sort of like, there's nothing in this episode or these characters that's actually that good. Like, they even, all live kind of terrible lives. Even Roger... Is trying to sell the fact that that guy is, you know, works at the works in the office. Yeah. But isn't like and is Jewish and works in the office and is kind of like got an important job. Exactly. Really, just works in the mailroom. Yeah. It's everyone, even like to the point where you know they're all selling themselves to make themselves like as he sort of talks about it being about happy advertising is about happiness and selling happiness and it's like that's what they're all doing they're all selling bad things they're selling because they're terrible people uh, and they're trying to make them sound like good things i mean obviously in the 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 character that's really obvious with is is pete for me who is clearly a terrible person but is trying to make don and others like him even though it's a really hard sell because he's such a terrible person (laughs) that's fair enough that was my that was my overarching theme i like that that's really good actually yeah thank you that's really yeah it's really really smart because like um like i think when i come up with like the way i feel about this show i always approach it from the title i always Mm. approach it from how does the title fit in 
and the song Smoke Gets In Your Eyes is never in the show it's like it's just kind of you know it is the title of the episode mm. but then you see like obviously smoke's a massive part of it because smoke's always everybody smokes at all times but really it's about really I feel like it's about yeah it's about um, blinding people it's about kind of you know trying to sell people stuff that they don't know that they need mm-hmm. that's the whole point of like um, I was talking about earlier about um, the, uh, the the psychologist um, uh, Freud mm. And I was kind of watching, uh, earlier this week, I was watching this um, documentary, I can't remember what it's called, it's called The Century of the Self. Anyway, in this thing, it's all, it basically starts off, the whole documentary starts off around this time of, um, you know, post-World War Two sort of, you know, people sort of like trying to get their lives back together. And a lot of it was like Freud, a lot of it talks about Freud sort of like, basically experimenting with the American public and mm-hmm. how they kind of, how they live their lives and how to kind of like keep them docile and stuff and they the way they thought about doing that was to kind of like i don't like i don't know everything about it so like obviously i'm getting stuff wrong here but um what they the 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 gist of it is they they decided to sell them stuff like sell them kind of this idea of a perfect world this like idea of like what it means to be american so like you've got the car you've got the wife you've got the all of this stuff um, and in order to do this because Freud I think it was Freud it might be someone else but somebody around that time um, basically believed that all humans were like just fucking raging demons like just angry people and like if you kind of like lose control of those people um, what happens is you get like absolute bedlam and so they were like there's always this fear that things were going to go wrong so they were like selling all these people all this stuff mm. uh, to keep them sort of like give them a goal and then they'll sort of concentrate on that goal as opposed to sort of like just like deciding to go fuck everything and like kill everyone and all that kind of stuff so I think the whole point of this show is basically to uh, reflect that mm. and uh, reflect how as time goes on things might not go so well and I think, like, Don, without going into too much and sort of trying to spoil things, Don is a perfect example of that. Because Don, I think, as we sh- as we show through this episode, is basically this embodiment of the perfect life. Mm. Um, are we going to spoil the ending? Don't t- I don't want to know the ending. Are we, <laughs> no, I mean, are spo- be... I mean, spoil the ending. Oh, of this I, no, I think we should get to it. I think we should go. I think we should go through it. All right, okay. And I think we should start at the top because I also have. I have a quote. My fa- I'm going to have my quote, favorite quote from every episode. All right, it's quite okay, near the cool. end. My one from this week. Cool, cool, cool. Um, right. So I think maybe you know, maybe it's worth starting from from the top All and right. sort of going going through it. But cool. I, I agree with you. I mean, I think the whole show is very much the it's about the American dream, which originally was um, a chicken in every pot and a car in every yeah. driveway, wasn't it, or something? Yeah. And it's like it's taking that and maximizing it to the extreme, putting it in this capitalist yeah. world, um, and it sort of is in, t- in in total conflict with you know something like I mean you talked about Freud, I'm going to talk about um, Buddhism and say you know they say desire is the root of all unhappiness, sort of thing. Interesting, you um, mentioned Buddhism. Oh, okay, <laughs> is that going to come into it later? <laughs> That's interesting. I'm but not yeah, saying anything. I think I think for this, like, there's going to be a lot of themes of like because I've talked about how how you know they want to sell things and they're selling things to try and make people happy and making people strive to be happy yeah. um, through purchasing the stuff. 
but actually the more you want the more unhappy they're going to become and mm. I feel like that's going to be something that we talk about quite a lot on this podcast well let's find so, out let's all right. go all right so what I've done is I've kind of I've bullet pointed all the different scenes and we'll just we'll try and get through them as quickly as possible to get see if we can get this done within like at least an hour mm. Um, mm. all right so starting off the whole the opening scene the first time we see anybody in this uh, show is uh, the show opens with uh, Don sitting in a bar and he uh, pulls, I think the waiter comes up to him yeah, and says, yeah. how are you doing? And, and then and he starts talking to the waiter and starts asking him mm-hmm. questions because he's trying to sell, well, he's trying to work out how to sell um, these cigarettes. Lucky strikes, yeah. So he starts asking this guy, like, you know, how, why do you buy what you buy and all this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, what did you think of this thing? Um, I mean, I thought it was, it was, it was a strong opener. Yeah. <laughs> strong opener. I think it. I think it really sets the tone of the time. Yeah. I think you really get an idea of of Don because obviously this because there's a, there's obviously a big sort of race question here as well that you know racism was very sort of prevalent at the time and you know it it kind of I don't know if the show goes into it later but obviously we're kind of at the time when all the civil rights movement was happening we but are. obviously I don't feel like that's really referenced in the scene anyway but. I feel like, so what the impression I got was he will basically talk to anything to learn how to sell something because I don't feel, I feel like Don kind of embodies all these like quite sexist and probably racist, I would say, (laughs) um, personality traits, but his ultimate goal is to be the best that he can be at his job and I think you get a sense of that competitism. And he'll do anything to sell stuff. He'll do anything. Yeah. Um, and I think it, you know, it set the seat first old fashioned. Yeah. So that was, it was that's nice to see that. Yeah. That's, that's very true. It's like, that's a great name for a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think what is interesting about this scene is it basically tells you everything you need to know about the show and like who Don is and mm. like it sets up Don really, really well. Um, but also... It also, yeah, it sets up the whole thing about sexism because, mm. like, obviously this guy's talking about his wife and it's like, oh, women in their magazines and mm. all this kind oh, of stuff. Oh, yeah, of course. And, um, and it's got this whole thing of, um, yeah, and we know that, well, it tells us that Don will talk to anyone. And it's interesting that you say that he will, he's only doing it to sell a product. Mm. Um, I feel like there's more to it than that. But I don't want to talk Maybe. about that yet because, like, you know, I don't want to spoil it. But, um I feel like there is a, a little bit more of a layer to why he's talking to this guy. Um, but yeah, it kind of sets all that stuff up. And there's also kind of loads of interesting stuff about that, that we can talk about later about what he, like how, how they talk about, how this guy talks about his cigarettes and how he loves his cigarettes. Mm. I mean, if we go back to that song, Smoke Gets In Your Eyes, it's all about love. It's all about what love is and why do you love something? This idea that you can love something, uh, but you don't know why you love it. And mm. then this guy, the, the guy that he's talking to, talks about how he was given these cigarettes in when he was at war. Mm-hmm. And now he just smokes them and that's just his thing. And he's just happy because they were given to him and he's going to smoke them without question. And do I you, find that interesting. Do you think that's more of a thing of habit, though? So, I mean, as someone who used to smoke, yeah. you know, not that I'm like, there's no tobacco advertising now, yeah. but... 
Um, when I used to smoke, I mean, you'd smoke what was sort of cool, what your friend smoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's an element of habit in there. Yeah. I feel like it's a whole thing of like trying to take someone's idea of, because I mean, what he says is he sort of says, well, what if there was, I can't remember, old gold, I think they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if he says there's no old golds left anywhere in the world? Yeah. What would you do? And this guy's like, well, don't know, I might not smoke anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I'd find, what to say, I'd find something, I'd just find something different. But people, it's almost like he doesn't want to be told you should smoke this. Yeah. It's kind of like, he, there's a belief, there's a, I think there's something even deeper there, which is there's something where we believe that we're making choices, yeah. but actually are these, there are all it's these other messages. Yeah. I mean, so when I was growing up, we used to watch a lot of um, Quentin Tarantino films and he's obviously a big Marlboro fan. Right. So we always oh, smoked okay. Marlboros yeah, 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 okay. because that was what they did. And yeah. there wasn't any like logic behind it. Yeah, they yeah. weren't the cheapest brand. If anything, they were the cool brand of cigarette, yeah. which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but that was, and then we were always, we'd always be like the ones in like, at, in the alleyway outside school, like going, oh yeah, we only smoke Marlboro. Like we were really <laughs> yeah, cool. No like, idea why. No idea why. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing, yeah. is it's like everyone sort of does have a vague reason. Yeah. But no, no one wants to be told, right, the thing, the perfume that you wear or the cigarettes that you smoke or the alcohol that you drink, if that wasn't there anymore, you should get this. Yeah. And people are like, I don't, People that, want to feel like they're making their own choices. That subtle thing of like just kind of insidiously sort of like suggesting that you do something as yeah. opposed to being told to to do something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and it's interesting. Yeah, so I feel like that's a big part of this. Is just like that idea of like being sold stuff without really knowing mm. that you're being sold it, and sort of like. But yeah, and, and and it's interesting that this is a black guy as well mm. around that time who's kind of like obviously not one of the. He's not the big decision makers of the of, mm-hmm. of the time he's not kind of like the highest status he's literally the lowest status person in that bar and that's how the powers that be were treating the citizens at that time it's just kind of like well just ply them with this crap um yeah to keep them docile or whatever. but at this time you know that his at this moment in in this show which is very near the beginning like that he is trying to convince this guy to basically say, I'd buy Lucky Stripes. Yeah. That's what he wants from this man. Yeah. And this man isn't going to give it to him, which I think is an interesting, it's almost like a, 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 a kind of power struggle of like oh. a whole advertising world almost because he's there as the ad man going, you should get this. Oh, yeah. And this is what he's up against. He's up against these people who are like, doesn't matter where they're from, social status, age, sex, gender, yeah. color, whatever it is. It's like, they still have the power to say no. I didn't... Which I, I think is really interesting. That is, that, that is really interesting. Because I didn't... I didn't get that. And I'm not... I'm like totally like... I, I'm not saying you're wrong or anything at all. Mm. I, I just literally never noticed that. That's a good point. That he's kind of like... You know, I'm not... He's totally sort of like... No, I'm always going to smoke. You know, what I, wherever I smoke. And exactly. Like, I don't care what you told me. And that's... Yeah, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Anyway. Um, Before we move on, I just yeah. want to say a thing. So obviously I don't know how this ends. So the ending, so sorry, the theme tune yeah. of this, yeah. is it what happens at the end of the, of, the, of the show, generally? What do you mean? Like, you know, he's, it's like a guy falling out <laughs> of the building. Does he kill himself at the end? Like, I've been wanting to know that I, I genuinely don't know the answer. I'm not telling you. I really want to know if he kills himself by throwing himself out the window. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, no. You're going to have, have to wait to, for like seven seasons. you just have to wait forever. To ah, I do like the theme tune. Uh, the theme tune is great, yeah. Um, 
Anyway, so, yeah, so um, I just want to say before we move on to the next scene, um, so this scene ends with Don just sitting there by himself and he looks around. What did you think about him looking around the um, uh, the bar? Didn't register it. Right, okay, so he looks around <laughs> the bar and it's kind of like he he kind of, it's just interesting that he's there sort of working while everyone else is smoking away, mm. but enjoying themselves and he's kind of working. Mm. I just thought that was interesting. Anyway, so next thing, next scene that we get is him visiting Midge, who is his, um, let's just say his girlfriend for now. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I find this to be an interesting scene, um, especially in terms of what happens later on in the show, in the episode. Um it's just interesting that he goes in there and he talks to her about um he's trying to he's explaining this issue that he has where he has to do this pitch and he doesn't know what he's going to say he's terrified that he's going to lose his job and like there's a there's somebody waiting to take his job for him and uh, midge is sort of like painting all these um pictures of uh, puppies and stuff yeah and uh for was it some sort of uh, grandparents yeah it's like it's like greetings cards or greetings cards for some grandparents yeah. day or something like that and uh, yeah I find that fascinating and I might have to spoil what happens at the end of the episode but in order to explain why but what did you think of this can I first of all I want to say I love Midge and I'm sure most 21st century women love Midge because <laughs> she is basically I guess she's against the grain she's the unmarried woman I'm a single woman she's living in the city she's doing what she loves wow be crazy she's just well that's it you know she is just like and it's almost what I love about it is a lot of the show is about power and it's like it feels like in their relationship she holds a lot more power she doesn't need him and I think yeah. that is what frustrates him loads you know she's like I don't cook I does don't it, make breakfast does, I don't make plans do you think it frustrates him? I think a little bit because he's almost like I wish I think he almost wishes he could be like her okay because yeah. he's got obviously we know <laughs> the end, but he's got this other life yeah but it's almost like there's two versions of him and he can't choose which one That's and nice. I think okay. I think with this scene with Mitch we get this idea that this is almost what he wants before we know about the other thing yeah, yeah. but it's almost like she's like I say she's her own woman she makes her own money yeah, yeah. she's brilliant yeah. she's witty she's beautiful and she doesn't need him and I think for him that that sort of he almost wishes that he could have that I genuinely yeah I totally agree like I think and I just, again it's something I never even thought about is that the fact that she is yeah what he'd like to be like she's kind of like living this life of just like wild abandon and just kind of doing what she wants um what's interesting for the scene for me is um the fact that I think later on, halfway through the scene, he's, he's like, he's, get, he get, he's really uptight. And he says to her, like, um, how do you, like, how do you do this? How do, how do you manage to be, like, so relaxed about stuff? And she then sort of, like, you know, on Button's address, and she says, um, 10 ways to say I love you, Grandma, or something, mm. something like that. And to me, so if I, like, assuming that this, this episode, one of the themes of this episode is risk, um, and sort of like taking risks and not not doing the expected thing. Um, to me, her saying that is like her sort of like saying like I'm painting these pictures of um, puppies and stuff, and it's like it's a very safe existence in terms of she's risk she's she's living a riskful life, but she's also at the same time doing something that's quite secure for her. It's like a quite secure thing. She's mm. like she's got her own business. She's doing her own thing. She's like. She doesn't have to worry because she's in control of stuff. And the fact that she has to paint these, um, you know, these cute 
safe little um, puppies and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of a reflection of that. And she's kind of, I'm just happy, basically. I'm just doing what I want. I just think, what a great life. Like, she just has her own apartment. She just paints dogs all day. Like, <laughs> I mean, if I could swap my life for hers, I'd do it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's, that's that scene. Um, then they go to bed. Then they wake up. I can't remember what happens after that. They kind of... I think he just talks about how he's worried about going to work, doesn't he? It doesn't really matter. Yeah, he is I think I think it's interesting that he he's almost like he's supposed to be this big, strong executive man and yeah. yet when he's got in the slightest bit of trouble he calls to a woman who <laughs> you know um who isn't his wife. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I mean I think with that scene you just get I think obviously it's it's kind of it's trying to trick you that scene a bit as well because obviously at that point you yeah, don't yeah. really know who he is. You don't know what's going to happen. You next. don't know what's going to happen. So I feel like there's only so much you can take from that because you sort of just feel like she's his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're moving on. So then we get into the the big part of the story, the whole introduction to um, uh, Sterling. What's it called? Sterling and Cooper. Mm-hmm. The uh, the office, and the first thing we see is um, the guys getting into the lift with Peggy. Peggy. And they're all saying all kinds of horrible things behind her back, <sighs> trying to freak her out and make her feel weird. This is the point when it stops being Sex and the City. <laughs> Can I just say, this is the point when it stops being Sex and the City because she's in that lift and they are literally right there talking crap, you know, yeah. saying crap about her and her body and like that kind of thing. Yeah. And she has no power and it's cool. like she's walking into the situation. She knows who these people are. These yeah. people are the people who are going to be her bosses. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so she knows she has to keep her mouth shut. And it, it's, it's such a, it's such an unhappy scene to watch. But I, I bet you, yeah. not wanting to get into modern politics too much, but I bet you there were so many women who still go through that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. These big executive types who just think that they rule yeah. the world. No, totally, totally. And the thing is, I always feel like, like, had it been, and I know it's a fictional show, but had it been, you know, just her and one of those men in that lift, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's a because... show of masculinity, but it's not for her, it's for each other, yeah. which I think is, you know, that goes on throughout the show, that really echoes. Well, that's the thing. So, like, um, like I said, expectations. Um, these guys, they're basically doing what they think they should be doing, which is kind of like, mm. you know, being all manly and sort of like, hey, check out the girl and all that kind of saying all of the shitty things because they think that's the cool thing to do around women. Yeah. Uh, even to the point where at one point um, I can't remember they said someone said um, like we shouldn't really do that and then another guy says well yeah you've got to let her know what to expect right and that's kind of like they're just kind of yeah it's sort of like selling this whole idea of what masculinity is or what kind of what it is to be a man and it's all a bit weird and it's, it's- all a bit it's about dominance, I think. It's a dominance thing. It's like, I can talk about you when you're right there and you are not going to say anything Control, because if you do, yeah. I can make your life hell. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, there is, I think it's, I think this is where you really start to see what the roles are as well. The the different roles of men and women yeah. like become really sort of defined from this point onwards because it is very much like the men have the freedom, the power, they can say what they want. Yeah. Um, and it is very like that's their masculine but then very soon you're going to see when Peggy meets Joan you're going to see how they deal with it and what they get out of it as well okay okay um, that's interesting yeah I mean I think I feel for Peggy like, like I say I've been there in, in the sense of 
you know, it's never that's never a nice experience to have, and I I, I feel like that's a really uncomfortable thing. What I what I think is great about the show, in a way, is that it, it's like one of the rules of making um, a lot of films and stuff like that is they they request that you like the character yeah. in order to be invested in something. You're supposed to like the character. Yeah. Now at this point, the only character that I really liked is Midge, right. and then I don't know if this is because I'm a woman and you're and you know I don't know maybe it's different for you, but. Obviously, I identify with Peggy quite a lot, so I instantly like her. Yeah. But all those guys in that lift yeah. can't stand the buggers. So, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love all those guys. I'm joking about <laughs> all those guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think I think you're totally right. I think it's, um, yeah, these are horrible people. These are all horrible people, especially all these guys in the lift. Um, especially Pete. Uh, who we oh. see on the, on the uh, we see Pete on the phone uh, to his fiance. And um, what's it? What is it he says to her? Uh, that isn't this where they. Do you know what it is that gets me about that phone call? Is when he says, "Tell your mum it was my idea." Like that annoyed <laughs> me so much. I was like, "Don't tell your mum it was his idea." It was, it, even though he said it was because you know it's like really trying to score brownie points. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally, come on, totally. But, come on. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah. And, no, anyway, <laughs> let's let's skip over that because I, <laughs> I think pizza. A weird character, but we'll talk more about him later on because mm. he's got lots to come. But um, let's talk about um, Peggy and let's talk specifically about Joan. <gasps> Love Joan. <laughs> Joan is my favourite. I mean, I'm a big Christina Hendricks fan, but I love Joan. I think she is fantastic. She knows what she's got in life. She knows what her place is and she exploits it to the best of her ability in do, that workplace. Do you think, so to play devil's advocate, we all love Joan, but mm. do you think that Joan is? She, you say she knows what she wants, and so she knows how things work, and all this kind of stuff. But do you think she actually does know all that stuff, or do you think that's more of a front that she's putting on? I think she knows it. I think she knows. I think she. I think she wants change, but I think she knows that it's like with anything, right? You have to. If you want to get your, if you want to get the best possible result in life, you mm. almost have to know what your place is, but you have to know when you can push it a little bit. Right. So for her, you know, I mean, I think there's things that she she does um, where she knows that's that's the way that I'm going to get something out of that relationship, or that's how I'm going to get a promotion, or that's like the fact that she like when she's introducing people, mm. or when she's she knows what pushes everyone's buttons, and I think she would be an excellent psychologist right, and okay. like an excellent because I think she knows what the behaviour is. Don't get me wrong, I don't think I think she's been born at a time and she's living in a time where it's like she doesn't have another choice. Yeah, but I think she's making the best of her situation. She's yeah. a strong woman, yeah. and she looks fucking sensational <laughs> she's just gorgeous and like of all of the outfits like yeah. hers are always on point like god damn Joan she's so sexy yeah so, Joan's amazing she yeah. is um, and Joan sort of um, shows Peggy around and um, basically shows her the ropes and um, we'll get onto it in a bit later but um, some of the ropes I kind of I do question do you know what she says at one point where she's like look at this typewriter even a woman can use it and I'm just like what but if you listen to her tone I feel like she is almost like a little bit yeah yeah she's being I think she's got that sort of like even it's like she's almost been parroted to say that yeah or or even saying it sarcastically in a way yeah yeah and I just I kind of love that she has that she you know 
she, that she doesn't say she's very clever and that she doesn't say anything against what she's supposed to say but you get the idea the way that she, she does, says yeah. it is so well done yeah totally yeah I can go with that um, so we see Don arrive in his office um, and having a chat with Roger tells him so this is I guess this is where they set up the big points of the the episode um, well they um, explicitly set up the points of the episode this is not this is the plot basically um, so we find out about Roger needs um, a Jewish person because he's, he's interviewing well he's talking he's having a meeting with a with a Jewish person about mm. stores and we also find out about the we find out more about the Lucky Strike meeting um, and it's interesting that um, again we've got this whole power dynamic where um, you know Roger is um, uh, uh, what's his name Don's boss and is telling and it's basically down from him it, like Roger is in, in charge and he's in control and has the dominance in that room mm. and he's telling um, Don to come up with something basically a way of selling these cigarettes so again you're, like we said at the beginning you've got this young this, this, this black man who's kind of like the lowest status and he's buying these cigarettes and his, his life's being impacted by the cigarettes but then on top of that you've got another guy telling the guy who's selling the cigarettes to come up with this thing so there's this whole hierarchy of like how you know society's being brainwashed or being told what to do mm. uh, which I find interesting uh, but there's also the interesting thing of like the the, the shirts that um, Don has hidden in his oh yeah <laughs> well, he lives at his office doesn't he? I mean they make a thing of it like he obviously has a nap later on and you know he he clearly he they make out that he works a lot at the office yeah. and this is one of the points that's actually one of the taboos that some of the genuine real madmen who lived that life say yeah. that it wasn't all parties and booze and they actually worked really really hard and they right, actually okay, all were okay. at the office constantly yeah, yeah, yeah. so I think it that is quite an interesting idea because I think when they frame it in the show they almost frame it like you know he's going to have affairs or you know he's going to be sleeping around or whatever it is but it's also that he never leaves the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's sort of implied there as well. That's true. Um, and then, obviously, then um, finally, um, what's his name? Uh, Roger leaves the office and uh, leaves, and Sal walks in. And we meet Sal. For the oh, first Sal! Time. I love Sal. Now then, what would you say about Sal? Uh, a defining uh, character trait of his. I do you know. So here's what I'm going to say to you, right? He's it's not. <laughs> shut up so Sal is obviously gay no here's the thing no here's the thing I don't think so this is my slight problem with this episode right Right, because it's almost made too obvious for the audience it's almost like he might as well have come into the room with a big fucking post-it on his head that says I'm gay but don't tell anyone now so my question for you is obviously he's that way because he's trying to let the audience know or you're trying to let the audience know about that right I mean it's again it happens later on in the episode do you think at this point Don knows that he's gay oh no no Don doesn't know that he's gay at all I don't I disagree really yeah okay I think I think Don knows already. Why do you think? Why do you say that? Because if you look at like his the way he reacts to things, yeah. Like um, when he talks about there's there's a line that he says I can't remember exactly what it is. It's something about like oh I'd love to have sex with her, yeah. and the way that he says it, which is really obvious for us as the audience, yeah. It's almost like Don does a little like Don smirk, like oh, a little right, like okay, it's okay. almost like he knows that that's utter bullshit. Okay. But so I think. And, you know, remember, I don't know what's going to happen yeah, in the future, but yeah, totally. 
I think he knows. All right, okay. Or I think Don, you know, I think John Hamm was told that you know this thing. Right, okay, okay. That's interesting. Mm. So I think that's one to revisit later on, maybe. I think think you're right. I think it's definitely something to... I will say that I think you could... I, I totally think you could read it that way. I think what's interesting about him is even if Don does know... Nobody else knows. Absolutely. And the whole point is... But how? We don't know because the acting is so bloody obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, But the whole point is he's not... No one's ever going to find out. But what's interesting about um, Sal is, again, there's a... I think there's... So, yeah, so later on in the... Later on in the scene, there's um, the uh, professor or the doctor comes in and is talking to them about this whole idea of a death wish Mm. and how people sort of... You know, there's the obvious thing of, like, Don sort of... Um, not Don, sorry. Um, uh, Sal saying, you know, people wanting to live, people living differently to how they say they are. Oh, that's ridiculous. Or mm. And it's kind of like, oh, because he's gay and it's like a funny joke and stuff. Yeah. Um, but what's really interesting about that is more the kind of having, knowing what happens at the end of the episode, knowing what happens, it's like, it kind of reflects on Don as well. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, well, no, totally. That's, like, one of the big themes is um, everyone tries to be one thing and it's actually a totally different thing. Yeah, and it's just kind of... I like that it kind of... I like that there's two jokes in there, so when you're watching this the first time, it just doesn't uh, it doesn't occur to you. Mm. You're kind of, like, um, blown away. But what did you think of the scene with um, with Greta, the um, the doctor? Were you kind of... Well, for, I mean, so I felt that was a weird, that was a weird scene right. because first of all, I didn't quite get why that scene happened, and I don't know if I missed something earlier where they were like, "There's going to be a doctor coming in to tell you about." Did so I miss they did, they did mention that. Did the they doctor, mention it? Well, so Sal, when he's talking to um, Donna just before, he okay. says the doctor's going to come. Oh, in. okay. And well, I mean, it's a hard one because they've obviously chose they obviously chose some like. Old lady. Yeah, I, I will say she is comically kind of. Do you like, know what I mean? She, she's like. I like was <laughs> just a bit like, really, of all the people, you know, because they could have just as easily as well sent in a dude. They've obviously done it as a woman to make a point about. Quite actually. I didn't really. Do you know what that. I mean? Like, yeah. There's way more male doctors at this stage yeah. than there are female doctors, and yet. So why is that one? So why is that? And it, I think, but it's, it's the whole point of this episode. I think it's such a. She's, she's, a, she's a very masculine woman she's well. a masculine woman but she's just in the sense that she's just like she just knows her shit and she's just trying to tell this bloke and this yeah. bloke doesn't want to hear it because to him it doesn't work for him yeah and the thing is she but I think and the, that's why it's almost hard to remember that, that women of this time would have had to deal with that on a daily basis and yeah. in this episode we're reminded of that because you know if it was up to me I would have smacked him across the face <laughs> with my medical folder and been you know I don't know but I just I mean it's it's an uncomfortable scene because of also because of the because it's almost like that whole fact meets fiction thing of he she's come to him and she is presenting fact yeah she's saying these are facts are this isn't wishy-washy advertising you're not making happiness these, this is what's real and he's going I don't accept this well he is he's saying I don't accept this and yeah. that's exactly how he's living his life yeah, <laughs> which is no, kind totally. of like it's really really weird because he's uh, he doesn't want to acknowledge that but then also you could say that he is right as well in that her research basically 
confirms that people will smoke cigarettes just to kind of uh, to go against the grain to do what they want you know like you were saying mm. about that black guy earlier um, but at the same time um, that's not what he's trying to do he's not trying to sell cigarettes and he says this later on yeah yeah he's not trying to sell cigarettes he's trying to sell Lucky Strike cigarettes yeah correct and so he's kind of that's just interesting that he's totally thinking about the product so he's totally thinking about the one thing he has to do as opposed to what everyone else is thinking, mm. which is like, how the fuck are we going to sell cigarettes to people now that we're not allowed to sell cigarettes? And I find that fascinating. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing. I think that's I think that's a massive part of the episode is this idea that um, Don has this very kind of focused way of looking at things. And he sees it from his point of view and what he has to do. Whereas everybody else, and we'll get into this later as well, everyone else is thinking in a totally different way. Everyone else, he sees the main thing and everyone else is looking at I don't know they're looking at the problem and he's looking at the solution maybe alright so this is the big question for me of the episode right I don't know who do you want to go first what the fuck is the fly about okay okay so so I'm wondering what your thing is going to be and what my thing is going to be okay okay for me (laughs) I don't know I watching it so I had never really thought about it before I wouldn't I would have looked at it and gone oh that's probably some wishy-washy thing I don't need to think about because mm. it doesn't really affect the plot and it's, no. it's basically just there right um, but I think the idea is if we accept that this episode is about being part of this part of the show is about being happy and sort of like be having everything you want and then not being happy and this fly basically is trapped in the light and it wants to get out of the light and that's done and he's like desperately fucking and then you see he falls asleep doesn't he and you hear the guns and all that kind of stuff yeah so he's kind of like he's got to this part this point in his life this point in life and he's like i just want to i, I don't want to be here like I'm, mm. I'm not happy and i want to get out i think that's what that's about no i disagree really i don't think it's as deep okay interesting no, okay i don't so i had a couple of thoughts about it the first one was he's trying to think outside the box okay but his brain is stuck his brain is the fly and his fly is stuck in the box and he can't get out of the box okay so that was my first thought yeah and then i was like maybe it's slightly bigger so maybe it's like the the light is the company and it's in stuck in that that almost like a skyscraper in Manhattan yeah. and he is a fly just walking around and around and around in this company but not really going anywhere because he can't. Okay. So I'm sort of like, I feel like, I don't think it's, I wouldn't say it's a metaphor for happiness because I don't think flies can be happy. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my opinion. Um, maybe they can, I don't know, but I think it's more like he's looking at it and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm the fly in that. So we both probably agree that he's like the fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just feel like that's not... He's looking at it and he's like... Because he could help the fly, but he doesn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because why would you? But I think we're basically saying the same thing. You're saying the fly isn't going anywhere. And I'm just saying the fly can't escape. When it wants no, to but go. you're saying that the fly represents happiness. But I don't think it is No, happiness. I don't think the fly represents happiness. No, I, sorry. I think the light represents happiness. You think freedom re- represents happiness. Well, yeah, kind of like he's he's kind of trapped in this idea of he's no he's kind of the the I think the fly the, I, 
I think the light, I think the fly represents him. Right. right. So I we think, both agree. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the light represents um, having everything you want. It's mm-hmm. like this idea of kind of the whole, he's got the American dream. Mm. And that's where that fly, that fly is in the lights in this kind of like basking thing okay. that you're supposed to head towards. And it can't get out of that thing. It wants to get out because that it's not making it happy being there. Does that make sense? I yeah, it does actually. So I'm kind of saying that's and that's kind of what you're saying, where yeah. you're saying the fly is in the is the fly is him in sort of like the big building and he wants to get out of it. Yeah. So it's or, similar sort of thing. Yeah, or it's he's stuck in his brain is just a black a glass box and he can't get out. I don't but, agree with that as much. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I think that's actually pretty strong. Like I feel like his the whole episode is about him trying to figure out this lucky strike thing. Yeah. And it's almost like he's at the point, he's lying on the sofa, he's looking at it, he's thinking about it. Yeah. And he is watching this fly and he's like, me and this fly have a lot in common because he can't think outside the box. What he already knows, which the facts are that smoking kills you and that, you know, he's going to find a need to find a way to sell it. But he can't get out of this like smoking is bad for you okay. mentality. Yeah, it's, it makes sense. It kind of, I guess that Thank kind you, of, that, that does, that, 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 that scans, that's fine. But we'll never know. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about it's Pete, my least favourite person in the world. Uh, yeah, Pete. So, Pete latching onto Peggy. Ugh. This is kind of like a pretty, uh, it's pretty oh, horrible scene. Makes me feel right? sick. <laughs> He's such an awful person. So, what do you think that's all about? Well, I mean, it's ma- that you were going back into masculinity now, isn't it? Yeah. He's going into Dom's office. There's a whole thing about, like, territory here as well. Okay, where he's yeah, okay. like, so, Peggy... So how it seems to work, uh, based on what Joan and, and, you know, happens in the lift and stuff, is that when they come in, the women are assigned to a man and they automatically sort of become that man's property. Yeah. Or at least that's the sort of given that you get. So Pete walks into the room, looks at Don's property right. and thinks, how can I show him? Wow. He thinks, I think he thinks he's saying what Don wants him to say. Yeah. Which is, yeah. obviously, wear tighter clothes, yeah. um, wear a shorter skirt. Um, and you know, I mean, obviously that she's giving, he's giving her sort of like instructions on how to be kind of whatever Don wants. Right? Exactly. Right. And aside from being very disgusting, <laughs> it's, it's, again, it like the lift scene. I feel like it's more a show for Don, for Don than it is for, for, Pe- for Peggy. Yeah, yeah. Bless her. Who is just a poor bystander in this well, whole thing. I think. I think Peg. Well, I th- obviously it is Don's show, but I think Peggy is a very close second. Like she's a very sort of like she's an integral part of the show, and she kind of is almost like a, a mirror to what Don's going through. They both, they both kind of. So if we say that Don is, like, it's like Don is the shark in Jaws, right? And Peggy is Rob Schneider. Is it Rob Schneider? I can't remember. Like, the the main guy in Jaws. You know the main guy. Yeah, in yeah, Jaws. the one that's like. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Yeah. So, it, <laughs> so, so if you think about J- Don as like the big thing, the big reason everyone knows about the yeah. show, it's kind of like. But Peggy is the other person that you you attach to, that you kind of relate to. You don't relate to the the shop. But Peggy's feel, Peggy. It feels like Peggy's there for the women. Yeah. Like because I. Because again, she's another conflicted character. It does feel like that. <laughs> Definitely. She, yeah. Oh, she's a hundred percent conflicted character, but. Whereas I feel like Don is conflicted in a negative way in that he has the power to have everything he wants and still be ungrateful and, you know, horrible and sexist and all that kind of other stuff. 
she's not in that position. Yeah. So her mistakes, she's like the other way. So she's almost like, she wants to be one thing, but she's trying to be another because she's yeah. trying to fit in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like she sits, she stands there. I, I feel like it makes her angry because she still continues. She doesn't dress well the next day either. Yeah. Let, let's be honest. Compared I, to Joan, which is a hard act to follow. Well, I don't, I don't think this happens over two days. I think it happens over one day. Oh, it, no, I swear. Oh, is because it? Because I know what you're thinking. It's because... She goes to the doctors, doesn't doctor, she? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that side. Um, does, she get, does she dress better in episode two, though? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. For some reason, I'm not watching the clothes. But, um, what? <laughs> oh, my God. But that's such a great part of it, though. I know, I know. That's why I've got you on here. I know. You, you know oh, the stuff phenomenal. like that. I just don't. Um... What was I going to say? There was, um, when you were talking about, what, can you go over what you were saying again? Because you kind of hit Just about the, ma- I was saying, you know, it's about uh, him being masculine for Don rather than Peggy. Yeah. And Peggy um, is almost like a Don character, but rather than her having power and yeah, being able to it. be, yeah. you know, she's not got the power, but yeah. she's choosing to try and conform. It's like she's trying to break into the world that Don is in. And Absolutely. Don, and Don's trying to break up, basically. Yeah. Completely. Um, uh, yeah, that's what that's that's what I was thinking. I kind of mm. wrote that down somewhere as well. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I like I like the um, I like that you can pull that out of that scene because <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not the it's not the nicest to watch. Um, so well after that after all that happens, uh, Don warns Pete that nobody's gonna like him uh, after after they sort of talk about this whole this whole idea of um, Pete having this base this expectation that the world's in front of him and, you know, the world's a big, was it, Brazier strap for him to snap. Mm. And uh, he says all that kind of stuff. Again, expectations comes up. Um, but, um, but yeah, what do you think about Don sort of telling, giving Pete that speech about how, you know, he's going to be the last person in the office and balding and sort of, and all that kind of stuff. Like, the only thing that's going to happen is he'll sleep with women women will sleep with him because out of pity because no one's going to like him what do you think of that well he's a dick <laughs> he is a dick but, he is a dick so I, I think I think that was a really that's a really interesting conversation that they have first of all because I feel like Don is almost brutally honest um, with him which is you know because what they say oh he asked him he's like how old are you and he's, he's I'm 26 yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like You've got a lot to learn in the industry. And I feel like there's a there's a note in there, first of all, that they're trying to sell happiness, but they're also selling themselves in some way. And I think that's such an important thing oh, yeah. in the advertising agency that you're you're putting across a certain image. Yeah. You know, and and again later on in the episode when he meets certain other people, you see that he'll almost put on this persona. But a True. persona that he'll put on with someone in a room full of people versus a persona that he puts on when he's just with one oh, other yeah. person is a totally different thing and yeah. he creates a whole new environment and with Pete I think there's a little bit of marking his territory going on there yeah there's a little bit of like don't even think about it mate right, okay, he's asserting okay. his power over him okay um which is why I think what happens with Peggy is kind of interesting later on yeah, as well yeah. um but I think also he it's just really sort of you know Don actually if you look at what Don's done so far he's not especially likable himself no <laughs> but what Don does that Pete doesn't do is he has the mystique like so he has right. so you don't know loads about him 
and it's a it's the sort of thing where it's like when someone's interesting mm. you automatically like them as well right, it's, it's yeah. not all about making friends and being popular it's not the pete approach of going in and being like oh yeah she's a bit more right yeah, blah yeah, blah yeah. one of the lads all that sort of stuff <laughs> yeah. if you meet someone and they're just interesting yeah. and you've got things about them that you want to find out mm-hmm. you almost still gravitate towards them and yeah. i think that's what don does really well is he's a character that he doesn't give it all up at front he says things that make you think and you're like oh this is an interesting conversation yeah that's his method rather than going around and butt kissing like what pete's trying to do yeah i find that whole uh conversation interesting and it's basically a massive speech by don and for me that speech that don gives is don's worst fear and don's worst fear is no one's gonna like him Oh, you went so opposite from me. I feel like he's, at that point, he's trying to... Oh, yeah. I I don't think he's... I think he... I think he's being genuine. I think he's trying to take Pete down a peg or two. Pete's obviously this, like, cocky kid, and he's, like, thinks he's got the world in his hands and all this kind of stuff. But really, Don is basically saying to him, look... Don is basically... The reason that scene is in there is for us to know... That Don's biggest fear is that no one will like him. And that gives us an idea of who he is as a character. We don't know why no one's going to like him. Well, we don't officially know. I know why. I don't know if you know why. Do you remember? Why no one likes him? Well, why he why he would be afraid of no one liking him. Does he not want to die alone? That's why most people don't want to be... No, nah, it's not that. But we'll, we'll get into that later on. Okay. <laughs> um, no, that's yeah. good. I think that's... Yeah. I, I, think, I think that's a specific um, character trait of his... Mm. Um, and yeah, specific to him. But yeah, he's. Uh, I feel like there's definitely that he's. Uh, he's. He's afraid of. Don is afraid of being alone. Don is afraid of being. You know. Yeah. Disliked. I'm amazed you got that this far in though, because so far I I wouldn't have said that was totally obvious because we've seen him sitting at a bar on his own. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. You know, he's not like you feel like he's not physically afraid to be. But alone. then you think about the fact what, what you said about him being sort of mysterious and not really. It's yeah. You said that it makes him interesting, mm. but to me, it's kind of it's more about him not offending people when he doesn't need to. It's more about him sort of like again keeping it all sort of like. Ooh. You know, keeping it all hidden so that people don't make a judgment on him. Because what would happen if people did? That's a question to ask. It's a good question. Might be answered later. Um, so, next, moving on. So, Don finally meets Rachel uh, in a very funny scene where... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, mate, but I've just got to say this right now. I freaking love a coupon. <laughs> I, like this woman like, I get it right? but don't get offended by a coupon like they're great like 10% well, off gimme 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 well what I think before we go into the coupons <laughs> so this is this very initial meet up because I find it really interesting that you get the coupon part oh you get the, you get the meet up part first oh. and then you get Peggy going to the doctor so like the idea that um, that they, they he meets wait I don't remember this like they meet and then they when do they meet? So they, he goes into a room. He he does that scene with um, Pete. He talks to Pete. Um, yeah. Don talks he to goes Pete. into the room. But aren't they all go, in there then? then? Then they're all in there. And then yeah, he, yeah. Then he meets the... He thinks it's the... Because he the doesn't know who guy. that guy is. Because yeah. they've picked him up from the... Yeah. Exactly. I'm jumping out of myself. <laughs> so then he goes in there and meets, speaks to this guy. Um, and it's not... It's not... It's actually Rachel that you should be speaking to. Um, oh that's yeah, that's of... awkward. That's so <laughs> awkward, isn't it? Oh. Um, but I like that scene because it's kind of 
I like the idea that um, yeah, it, it, it basically is just a button to say that Don expects a man. It's that thing about expectations again, and this kind of this idea that he knows what um, a store owner looks like, mm. and he doesn't even uh, consider um, Rachel as the store owner. Um, but I don't think there's anything else to get away from no. that scene. It's really small, isn't it? Yeah. Um, just orcs. It's just orcs. <laughs> um, so then moving on, we get the uh, we get the they get the really really creepy. Like, oh my scene, god! I, this, for, I have so much to say about this. I feel this really scene. sorry for Peggy in this episode because literally every single person she speaks to just treats her like shit. <laughs> it's really bad. But yeah, so we got the worst doctor in the world, right? I mean. So, I'm unclear whether he's a gynecologist or a doctor. I don't think it matters. Isn't I mean, that he's the clearly same thing? a creep. Yeah, well, technically, a gynecologist is a doctor, but like yeah. some of them specialise in it. I feel like this guy specialises in it because Joan recommends him. Which I'm a bit like, oh my god, he's such a creep. Yeah. But she's obviously going to his nice house in Southport, wherever yeah. it is. So, um,. Having her way with him. She's using her wily charms to take advantage. So go, Joan. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm shocked by this scene. First of all, because it was a little strange. Yeah. Because it's like she's just started work and then she yeah. goes to the doctor. Like, yeah. I'm a bit like. Yeah. So she's so Joan sends her to the doctor. Yeah. To get the pill. It's like she's doing what she's supposed. Like she's doing what she has to do, or she's been told to do. Which is weird. Yeah. First of all, like, can you imagine turning up at a job and being like, "Right, first job, go and get some birth control." Yeah. Um, and then second, this guy is just terrible, and it's just like, you know what? I think this is for this episode. This is the worst scene because it's it's the scene when it's it's it is a direct attack. On, on preconceptions about women. Like, I mean, right. I feel like they all kind of make jokes about appearances and stuff. Yeah. I feel like that still goes on. Yeah. But you would never go to a doctor and basically be told, <laughs> don't abuse this birth control medication. Like, how yeah. can you abuse it? And like, what he says also, you know, don't let this... Don't let this stimulate stimulate your imagination. Yeah, I know, it's like crazy, all the, the terms that he used to be like, don't what did he call her a strumpet or a something? Strumpet, don't don't, turn, into don't strumpet. turn into a strumpet. Yeah. And that's like 18th century lingo, like <laughs> yeah. right there, you know. I mean, I don't even think America was around when people <laughs> were saying that. And yeah, yet here he is saying it to her face, and she says nothing. Yeah. Well, she just says nothing, and she <sighs> there's one point in the episode where she turns her head and she's staring at that. Um, and I don't know what the point of that scene is. Like, it's, it's similar to the scene with the fly in mm. that it kind of seems to suggest something but I don't know what it's suggesting mm. the only thing I can come up with is it's a beautiful picture it's this beautiful picture of this like heavenly kind of stream and it's like it just looks amazing and to me it's kind of Peggy look, almost looking at what she expected and, you know, the juxtaposition of what she's actually getting. Or maybe what she wants to get out of what she's doing. So, like, mm. she's she's there taking this pill because it will get her into this job and people will accept her and she'll be sort of like, do you know what I mean? She'll sort of, she'll mm. fit in with everyone and everyone and she's doing the right thing to get what she wants. Maybe. I mean, I, th- I feel like sometimes it can be loads deeper than stuff like that. I mean, I, I feel like... It's really hard because it comes up. Oh yeah, there it is. Let's have a look. And you can see the picture that she's looking at. Oh yeah. Is and 
I don't. I think it's got something to do with Paul Ehrlich, the uh, the scientist. But I don't know what exactly. It's a pretty picture. It is very pretty. But I mean, I feel like I feel like it's never. So careers are really interesting because, like, all through school. I mean, she obviously they mentioned that she goes to like a a good typing school or something yeah. at some point. But like all through uni and whatever, they're like, oh yeah, you're gonna be this, you're gonna do this, it's gonna be great. And then you start work. And the reality of starting work compared to what you're promised, like yeah. through school, yeah, through yeah, uni yeah. and whatever it is, is it never quite matches up. Now for poor Peggy, it's like 10 times worse than any of us can ever imagine. Cause yeah. obviously she's, she's turned up thinking she's gonna be a great typist working for a great company. And basically she's gonna be a victim of, um, Sort of sexual harassment every day so uh i think it's almost like i i, I wouldn't say what it meant because i feel like looking at a calendar is obviously a sign of when's this gonna end okay um all right that's that's, that's but the, way the pretty it. picture is you know you just don't want to be in there you don't want to be hearing those things you don't want to be called a strumpet yeah for being and, and then you've got joan saying oh you know do this get along with people like blah blah it's like the conflict that must have been going on inside her head is yeah. just, oh. But I think in terms of keeping it, you know, think about the themes of the episode and expectations and getting what you want and risk and all this kind of stuff. That's what I mean, in that context, mm. it's this idea of, you know, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm going to, I don't know. I could be totally wrong on that. Totally off on that. I, I think, look, I don't even know what an autoclave is, to be yeah, honest with you. I think maybe she was just thinking, maybe I should have been a farmer. And yeah, that. probably. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's leave it with that. That's, that's a good idea. Um, so we're moving on. So, um, yeah, so now we get to talk about the whole Rachel meeting and, um, yeah. the coupon. Yes. The I've coupons. already said that. I'm mad about the coupons. Um, so you, 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 you think, so the, yeah, I think, I think you're right. That to an extent, that whole idea about the coupons is what they should be doing, right? Mm. This is about ambition, though. This isn't about... So I don't think the coupons was a terrible idea. Yeah. I don't think anyone in that room thought the coupons yeah. was a terrible idea. Yeah. I think it was Rachel wanting to think bigger. Yeah. And the refusal of the madman to not, not want to think bigger. Exactly. So she wants to do something different. She wants to do something that's not expected. Mm -hmm. Whereas the idea is they want to do something that is the most obvious thing that works, right? But because I feel like there's a there's an element here of like they're not the target audience. Yeah. Like they're sitting there going, this is what women like. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's a big... They can't answer that question. Yeah, they yeah. can tell you about smoking because men smoke. Yeah. They can tell you about... But women's a women's store and there's not a single woman on the account no, who's being no. asked their opinion yeah, totally, about totally. how to make this thing bigger yeah. of course Rachel's sitting there getting pissed off with <laughs> her because you know she's going in there and they're basically saying oh coupons works with women and she's like well that's not what I want but, Chanel doesn't use them but another reading well another like um, angle from this this uh, scene is the fact that Rachel is basically the one in control She's the she's the one with the power in the in the in the office. But Don takes it from her. Well, he I don't does he take it from yeah, her? Yeah, I think he does. How does he take it from? Because he storms out because he ends the meeting. He does end the meeting. She should have ended the meeting. What's interesting is yeah, I guess I guess there is that. No, hundred percent. That is what that's about. Because at any point she could have got up and walked out. Okay. But instead she was trying to be like trying to work with them to be like, Can you see this from my point of view? Okay. He's the one who entered the meeting and he kept the power. Okay, okay. So he kept By the power. By doing that, yeah. That's interesting because there is that point at where um what's his name? Roger says to Don, like, stop getting emotional. 
which is kind of like something that people say to women when they're kind of like getting angry and um yeah i i guess you're right i guess there's there is some that idea of maybe he felt his maybe he felt his kind of power or whatever his masculine power in the situation uh disappearing and was like i can't take this anymore and like just and that's why he storms up yeah that's uh, what that is about that meeting is a power struggle and he ends that power struggle by walking out because what she's trying to do is she's trying to create balance she's going look i'm not happy with this mm. this is this is what i want right she's actually being fairly reasonable yeah and but i mean she's putting in a few cutting remarks about what people <laughs> expect as well which yeah. i don't blame her for you know okay but he can't stand the idea that he is working for a woman and well, he and that this he's woman not, he's not gonna let a woman talk to him about it. but it's not about that it's more than that it's, i think it's more than that it's really? more like she's giving she is like you say she is the most important person in that room because yeah. she is the client she has the money yeah. right and he doesn't care about that he doesn't care he's like this is what is a good idea in any other situation, he would say to a woman, this is what I want, this is the best idea, blah, blah, blah. They would accept it, yeah. which I think is explored again later on in the episode. Yeah. But in this occasion, he can't win this argument because she refuses to let him. So he ends the argument by leaving. Okay, that's interesting. I think you're totally right. But I also think there is that element of, in that moment, Don is... I don't know what it is. I don't know how to explain it exactly. Metaphorically, maybe he is, he has this feminine kind of thing about him. Like the whole idea of Roger saying that to him, Roger saying like, don't get, um, don't get emotional. It's kind of carried on into the next scene. So unless you've got something to say, anything else to say about this scene. So like the next scene is um, Pete and Don speaking again. And this time speaking, Pete is really kind of like blowing smoke up Don's ass. He's like really sort of like you're raising and like I follow you into battle and all this mm. stuff. And then what's interesting is Pete kind of puts his hand out to oh, shake yeah. his hand. And Don says, what does Don say? Oh, what does he say? Says, let's not go, let's not do that just yet. I yeah, don't yeah. Wanna, I don't want to end up pregnant in the world. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and... And it, obviously, it's a joke. It's a joke in the moment, but considering what happens later on in the in the show, and also the fact that there's also this thing of um, again, there's this thing. So, like, I feel like at that moment, Don is really, really vulnerable. We can talk about it again later on, like when we talk about Peggy and Pete. But I feel like Don is really vulnerable in that moment because he's basically turned down. The thing he's he's basically he's basically given um, Rachel an idea of the thing that they should be doing. Mm. Like this is the right idea, you know, from their point of view, whatever. Um, maybe it isn't the right idea for, like from a woman's point of view, but they're not thinking about that that moment. They're thinking this is how we've always done it, and this is the right thing to do. And she's literally said no, and he's feeling like, well, okay, what do I do? And he's like, he stormed out of the thing, and like you say, he's kept the power, but really he doesn't know how to deal with this problem. He's, you know, he's like floating around in the water. He's got, he, again, he's, it's like he was with, it's like he is with the Lucky Strike thing where he doesn't know what to do. He mm. doesn't know how to deal with this mm. problem. And then Pete turns up and like basically offers to shake his hand and he doesn't want to shake it. But then also what's interesting about that scene is as Pete walks off, he goes, fuck you. And it's just kind of like, oh God, you know, it's just a bit too on the nose. 
um, considering what's going to happen later on. But the, again, it's coming back to this, the whole thing. It's the whole, you know, selling bad, selling bad things and making them sound like good things. Like Pete is trying to sell something. He's trying yeah. to sell his friendship. He's trying to sell his respect, whatever yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. to Don. Don doesn't want it. Yeah. And it's like, fuck you. Because but, yeah, yeah, in yeah, a totally. way, it's like, why why not? But it's because it's, it's all a, a show of, of masculinity and power and it's sort of like yeah yeah well in that in everyone that... is so I think I think everyone puts on a show but secretly everyone is suspicious about what the other yeah. person is and, is this, up to. and this whole thing of it is that you're right it's a total like like I said like at that moment Donnie's really um uh really vulnerable he's really kind of like he doesn't have any ideas and this guy is like you can't really trust Pete at all and it's like it is a show of dominance where he tries to shake his hand and he says, yeah. no, I don't I don't know what you're up to." But so. his his ego, I think it's more. I mean, you say I wouldn't use the ver- the word vulnerable to describe him. I would say he's almost angry, and he's because I think the thing with with Don is like his main thing is that he's good at this job. Like this is yeah. his thing. Yeah, he's great at it. It's where he gets his self respect, his morale from. Like blah blah blah. It defines him. Yeah, it? it defines him in so many ways. And he's basically being come come out of a meeting from a woman who said that he's rubbish at his job. Yeah, and then he's got this little shit yeah. who nobody likes yeah. trying to come over and like almost bring him down. And he's like, you know, almost to boost himself back up. He pushes his bad feeling onto Pete to almost make himself feel better I think but then you could also say that you know anger is is your um, it's like your uh, it's like your narcissist it's like narcissistic anger where he's protecting his his inner self like the thing that he that, that he defines himself as is that like you say being an ad man and that's being attacked at that moment. So yeah, he's like, he's lashing out. That's why I say he's vulnerable. Mm. I'm not saying he's like vulnerable in that he's kind of, you know, a little pussycat. It's just, he's, all his defenses are like, I need to protect myself now. No, totally. And um, yeah, so that's kind of why I think it's going into that scene. But we can talk about that later because yeah. I feel like it feeds into what happens at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Lucky and, strike me in. Yeah, the lucky strike me. So this, so like, I think... I actually think the, like I said, I think the uh, the meeting with the doctor is kind of really important, and I also, and I think all the meetings with um, uh, with Rachel are important, but this is probably the most important meet the thing seen in the whole episode, right? You agree? Yeah, from from one point of view, it's still not it's still not time for my quote of the episode. But, okay. Oh, wow. okay. But, I can't wait for this quote of the episode. Mm. <laughs> Okay, so um, yeah, so this meeting is basically Don is sat in the meeting and he's there. Everyone's talking about you know smoking and all this kind of stuff, and everyone's like at ease. And then, <laughs> and then um, Roger expecting again that whole expecting thing, um, expecting uh, Don to speak, um, kind of nudges Don and says like, you know what, what do you think? Oh yeah, that's awkward, <laughs> isn't it? Very awkward. And Don's like fishing around trying to get like. <laughs> trying to work out like what to say and he when he's like nothing. shuffling his papers you're like oh he literally has nothing nothing at so all so bad and it's interesting about this scene because he the fact that he has nothing is kind of yeah it's just it's fascinating that he went into the scene with literally nothing he doesn't have anything to fall mm-hmm. back on nothing it's like a massive risk right um yeah what do you think of the scene 
I thought it was a great scene. Right. I thought it was so good. I thought, like, I mean, again, if you look at, I think they've put these two sort of pictures so close together to show the difference between. Oh, okay. Because it's almost like, it's so not half up. Like the the length he'll go. These guys are like threatening to walk out, yeah. and he's like, "No, I'm gonna ke- I'm gonna no, come up with true, something." True, true, true. But I think it's also it's also a bit about the sort of spontaneity of, of ideas of like really understanding what you're selling, which yeah. he obviously couldn't with like the women's wear. Right. But with this, he gets. He is a smoker. Right. Okay. Okay. And it's like he hears about the process, and then he gets it. Okay. And it's kind of like it's about understanding the people that you're selling to. Okay. Um, and I think. That is a theme that will run throughout. I think, I actually think you make a very, very, very good point here. In fact, that's a really good point considering what happens in a couple of episodes. Oh, exciting. No, it really is. It really is. I've never even thought about it. So, yes. So, what you're saying is he couldn't pitch to Rachel because he didn't know where she was coming from she's he, no he's a man he sees things from a man's point they're just of view. like coupon women love coupons so what i think is interesting about this scene is he so the whole scene is basically about him right mm. this whole the whole pitch is about definitely him as a person it's about him uh it's about him wanting to it's about him selling his philosophy on life on what happiness is. So happiness is the smell of a new car, freedom from fear. It's the billboard on the side of the road that screams with reassurance that whatever you're doing, it's okay, you're okay. And that, again, it's that whole thing of like, so when he was talking to Pete and he was telling him you're gonna be alone and no one likes you, he's talking about himself. Mm. And again, here he's talking about himself and it's, and and really, what he's saying when he's when he kind of comes up with this idea of um, it's toasted, he's basically talking about. So the the whole idea gets um, he gets the inspiration from the idea from when the guys when the guys are leaving and that guy says we're just like everybody else, and then Don kind of click, clicks onto it because it's like oh I'm just you know how do, the idea is how do you make Lucky Strike. Um, how do you sell Lucky Strike? Not mm. how do you sell cigarettes? And his whole thing is like, how do I make Lucky Strike stand out? How do I stand out? How do I make myself stand out? And then he talks about being happy and he talks about everybody seeing you in this kind of like perfect sort of mode and sort of like, they don't, because everybody else is like, so feel so bad about themselves or ev- everybody else has this feeling of like being alienated and not fitting in and all this kind of stuff. That when you when somebody just stands up there and he's like i'm okay everyone's like oh shit that guy's okay that guy must be special Mm. and that's what they're talking about with the cigarettes if you just say instead of saying these cigarettes are going to kill you they're toasted you don't think about the fact that there's something wrong with the cigarettes you don't think about the fact that they're poisonous yeah it's totally a it's totally a fact a fiction over fact thing isn't it because it's like these are this is these are the things that that this is what's important. I think this is the the crucial part. Is like that health information is the important information. That yeah, is the information yeah, yeah. that people need yeah, to yes, know. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But no one wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about that. Everyone wants to hear the good. And I think that's that's a metaphor for Don entirely. Yeah. Like no one wants to know, and he knows this. What's going on underneath? No. Everyone just wants the best part of him. They just which want and to the see. best part of him is what he does. 
at the ad agency yeah. and he knows that yeah. but what he struggles with is the fact that he does know that and he but he also knows what's underneath but that's well that's not what you and the thing is you have to remember that we can figure that out but the other characters in this just see him as this god who's got this great life and like blah blah he's toasted and it's how he's telling himself yeah he's toasted yeah he is um so yeah i i I love that scene i think it's great i Mm -hmm. think um and i also think it feeds into the next scene uh which is really the the, the next scene i actually think is probably cleverer than the scene before because obviously the scene that the the big meeting is this massive centerpiece and like all the focus is on it but the second scene just comes as like it feels like the obvious thing that you put in and you just put in there for a story reasons but really it tells you so much more about what happened in the previous scene what do you think about this this is the scene with peggy right uh is it no 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 i'm talking about so the next scene is the bit where Don is... So they're all basically uh, congratulating each other. And then Don is speaking to... Um, Don is speaking to um, Roger. And he's... I'm just sorry. I'm just remembering what happens. Don is speaking to Roger. Uh, Roger says, while you're in the afterglow, um, I'd like to... And he sort of pitches this idea of like... The politics, right? The politics, yeah. yeah. So I find this really fascinating for a number of reasons. Not just this part, but the next part as well. But this is just really interesting that he calls... The Don, after he's sold this pitch, is like, he feels really... You can tell he's like a totally changed man. He, feel, he looks very kind of happy. He's like very kind of... Um, he's smiling and he's like making jokes and he's kind of like bragging about what he said. And like, I can't remember what he said. He said something about... Yeah, would you believe that I came up with that in the meeting? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and this idea that he's, uh, yeah, he just came up with that, and he's really pleased with himself. And yeah, and this and what Roger Roger says to him, like, would you while you, while you're in the afterglow, would you consider doing this? And to me, the whole scene, the whole thing of that is to Don selling that pitch. It's kind of like he's on a heart. Mm. and it's like he's just kind of done he's basically he's he's, take, he's like he's taken a hit of a drug and he's kind of and he's he has this kind of addiction to this whole thing mm. um, and they kind of sell this a bit later on as well where um, as Roger's leaving uh, Don says that he says like the only reason we're doing it is because this um, he, t- he tell Roger tells Don to go and apologise to Rachel and he says something about she's worth $8 million or something. Yeah. Like that. And then Don says, you're a whore. Yeah. It's kind, of like te- it's kind of like leaning towards the whole idea of sex addiction. It's mm. like all these kind of um, vices are kind of brought up. And these kind of, they're all smoking and drinking. And it's all kind of like going on. And it's like this idea of like Don is this, um, It's again, it's about that whole society thing of like the, the, the country is... is they're basically trying to dope the country. They're trying to drug the country to stop them from getting too kind of, you know, rowdy or whatever. Mm. And I just think that's really cool. I just think the way that kind of like plays out is really cool. But I mean, ultimately as well, I think what you're saying is, is it's like a, it's a drug for them as well. Like this whole lifestyle, yeah. this whole 
ups and downs yeah, yeah. because you have to have the downs to have the ups so true. it's like you yeah. need you almost need the I can't think of anything this is really tough like I'm vulnerable or whatever you risk, said earlier yeah, you almost need that in order to have these extreme highs yeah, yeah, yeah. these extreme indulgent moments and yeah. then suddenly these crippling lows and it's kind of like I think there's you know there's fear with that because it's almost like when when you're high it's like it's almost like let's say he was a drug addict it's almost like this bloke's coming up to him going like well try this drug and try this drug yeah, and he's yeah, like yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah exactly. but then actually there's gonna be a come down when he's like can i do this yeah am i exactly. good enough yeah and it's kind of interesting that that kind of goes against what um, rachel was saying not rachel sorry midge and midge and her you know puppies and like kind of like just being relaxed and just kind of enjoying her life because she doesn't have those down points. She knows what she has to do mm. and it's easy and mm. it's just boring. But yeah. she's kind of cool with it because yeah. she's kind of, she's taken that risk of sort of like not working for a big firm, but now she has, I mean, obviously in real life it'd play out differently. I'm sure she's worried about where her next commission's coming from. But in that scene, the idea is she's pretty safe and she's pretty, she doesn't have those ups and downs. She just has a very sort of simple, idyllic, boring life. Uh, but yeah, also in this scene is, um, I feel like, you know, I was saying before about how Don sort of um, distinguishes himself from everyone else. Mm. I feel like this whole, the, so there's a there's a bit in this, in this part, this scene where all the guys come in and I timed it. They're there for like a minute. <laughs> all the guys, they come into the thing for a minute and, um, and Don says something to, Don says something to Pete about... Oh, what does he say? Oh, that's it. There's a joke in this that's really cool. Um, the joke with the, about the photocopier. Oh, yeah. And I, everyone laughs at that joke as if it's just this kind of... Oh, it's kind of like a nod to they don't have photocopiers yet. But really, I feel like it's got more to do with the fact that everybody in that room looks exactly the same. Mm. And Don's the only one that kind of stands out. Cause, and he's the only one that stands out because he doesn't go to this party. And he kind of distinguishes himself and he kind of, he's different. Yeah. And it's just saying like, Don is a totally different person. I think there's more to it than that. I but. think there's more to it than that. I think it's, it's almost like he, but he doesn't, the thing is, I feel like Don is one of those people okay. and he knows that he is one of those people, but he doesn't want to be one of those people. Okay. So I think he purposely segregates himself from a yeah. lot of this stuff because he can see them because there are moments where you know he is still a drinker he is still like you know yeah, they come yeah. in and he's just like laying on his chair or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. like doing nothing and I think there is an element of him that is like obviously he's a womanizer obviously he has all these same values yeah, yeah, that they have yeah, but he doesn't want to admit to himself that he's like them I think that's what it's more about so that's really interesting because also in that scene there's loads of stuff in this, in this mm. scene there's a bit where so they talk about the, the report that um the, the doctor, what's her name? Dr. Greta Gutman, that's her name. Uh, Dr. Greta Gutman uh, gave and like the, the, the um, Pete stole. Oh my God, that bit. We didn't even talk about that bit. Oh <laughs> my God. Go Pete, you little sneaky devil. <laughs> um, the bit, so the, the fact that, so as, so this is really interesting. You might, I don't know if you noticed it, but as they're talking about it, um, so Don says, uh, Don says something like, um, I don't agree with this. I there's nothing in that meeting. There's nothing in that report that could have helped me or something like that. Mm. And then and then um, Pete says, "Well, I think it was really helpful." Something I can't mm. remember exactly. But as he says, "I think it was really helpful." 
uh, Peggy comes into view. Like, and it's almost like perfectly aligned. It's like, mm. it's kind of right, hard to miss. And um, what I think is really interesting about that is what happens later on in the episode. We might as well just say it. The fact that, um, you know, that Don is married and he's kind of, you realize that he's kind of, you know, like we've said, he's like doing all these like self-destructive things. Uh, and the fact that they're kind of both fighting not fighting over her but like they're kind of you know there's like a tussle between um between them over peggy mm. and it's just this idea that um i don't know they they feel it i don't know there's a risk there there's a there's a there's something about them sort of not doing the thing that they're supposed to do uh and i don't know what that is i can't really work it out but i just like that idea that um Peggy has some sort of, I don't know, in that moment, Peggy kind of uh, represents something. But Well, she does. And I'll tell you what she, what I feel like she represents is, is that both... But, so Don should have possession of her, which is why what happens next. Right, okay. She, that is the, let's say that's the natural order of things. She yeah, is yeah. his secretary. She is technically his property. Yeah. So Pete obviously wants that because... Pete wants to be done. Okay. However, this isn't actually about them. Right. It's almost about Peggy. Right. So Peggy is, like I say, I think there's a parallel be- between her and Don because then obviously she puts her hand on Don in that scene and yeah, it's yeah. just, it's her way of almost, so she puts her hand on him and then she's like, I don't, I don't want you to think I'm that kind of girl. Yeah. But the action would suggest otherwise. Yeah. And then again, what happens later on in the episode yeah. is that she does the exact thing. Yeah, totally. So it's almost, I feel like she doesn't know who she wants to be. Right. It's kind of like oh, the struggle okay, okay, is okay. between Don and, and Don and Pete is that she doesn't have that simple journey of that she is owned by the person. The person who should own her almost choice. doesn't, almost doesn't want to be the person that would own her. Do you see right. what I mean? Because he doesn't want to be one of those crowds. He doesn't want to be the person in the office who like flirts with all the girls and stuff. He's got his own life. He's separate from that. He doesn't want to be a madman in terms yeah, yeah, of what yeah. they represent. Okay. Um, whereas Pete is everything yeah. that a madman should be. So Peggy sort of accepts that that's her role and wants to fulfill that role. Right. But she also doesn't want it either because she's not that kind of girl. Okay. So I feel like that is, it's such a complicated thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's so complicated, but I think it's almost, it's about both of them in a strange way. Yeah. Um, Pete is just doing, I think, what he thinks he should be doing. Yeah, which, Pete, is, yeah exactly. which is trying to mark his territory and basically peeing over Don's pee if he was a dog. But, but then, then also I think that um, Peggy is also doing what she sh- thinks she should be doing. Because like, earlier on in the episode, um, Joan told her that, you know, you have to... She kind of, she didn't really say it out loud. She didn't, like, you know explicitly state it but the idea is you you know you kind of give these guys what they want sort of thing and so she does that she kind of she does what she's supposed to do in the same way that she went to the doctors yeah but that's because the whole way through it's the, i don't know if you haven't written it in here so maybe it's not this episode but isn't there a scene where she is introduced to the women who oh, yeah, yeah. telephone totally lines. Probably, yeah. And it's like, she goes in yeah. and, and one of the women says to her, oh, Don would like it if yeah. you wore this. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And it's kind of like, she's being told that Don is her, effectively her owner. Yeah, yeah. She belongs to him. Yeah. But Don doesn't want her. And also in that, that well, 
I should have wrote it down, but I totally forgot. So in that scene, there is also that thing again of her sort of, she's got all these presents and that Jones basically told her to give yeah. to these people. She gives them to these people and then they just make a really horrible thing about her legs and like she, you can see on her face she's like really shocked and like just really... But they think they're being helpful. They do, but... But that's the thing, is that's, that is... But that is how, compared to, if you look at how women work in this and how men work, like the, the women are trying to be helpful. Yeah, yeah, totally. In the sense I that, get that, yeah. You know, and it's like the guys are all again, like you've got Pete and Don and everyone competing with each other. Yeah, I get that. Whereas the women are like, get your legs out yeah, and you're totally. gonna get, you'll get further. But I feel like even though they are trying to be helpful from her point of view, it's just something she didn't want. It's like, she just doesn't look pleased by it. She looks shocked by no, it. No, I don't think she does want it, but I think she worries that she has to become that kind of girl yeah, in totally. order to, but this in is order the, to I, exist in that world. I think that's the point. Is, is like it's, it's a constant thing of like people telling her what to do and how yeah. she should act and what she's supposed to do. And that's what she picks up from it is like, oh, well, I need to fuck my boss. And uh, that doesn't go that well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's interesting that, because the next scene is the bachelor party. Yeah. And uh, I don't really know. Like, I'm kind of... I find... Obviously, there's obvious things about this Bachelor Party. So, you get the whole sense of... Um, the old guys being guys and all that kind of stuff. And again, this idea of these guys acting the way that people think they should act. And then you've got Pete kind of, like, coming on really heavy with this girl because he feels like he should do that. Yeah. And then getting... Again, like uh, Peggy, getting basically... Um, rejected um, and they're both kind of they're both in this weird thing where they've been rejected but I don't really know what else to say about the the bachelor party I mean scene. the big the big signposts for the bachelor party scene are obviously Sal doing his classic like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. his classic I'm like I'm not gay look at all these great <laughs> what, what's the line it's I'm an Italian no one of the women says um, this place is great it's full of smoke and it's full of guys and oh, he's, yeah. like, he's like yeah it's great yeah, I was like yeah. I can't remember <laughs> And the woman's just like she gives him such a look. What's I can't remember what he said. Hilarious. Like, yeah, he says something. I can't remember what he said. But. Oh, it's great. <laughs> and it, but I mean, there's also in that scene, there's that whole thing of uh, I think it's Ken, and he's uh, no Pete says, "Oh, come back every fifteen minutes, whether we want drinks or not." Yeah. And then Ken ups him and goes, "No, come back every five. Oh, puts more money yeah, on the table." That. But I think it's again, it's establishing that masculine. Oh, the yeah. girls come over, and then suddenly it's like buying them drinks yeah, and blah blah. Yeah. But it's almost like. And, and therein lies the conflict, I think, between men and women because they're coming over to get free drinks yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But when it starts to get further, that woman's like, right, I right, don't right. want this. Okay, yeah, okay. It's very much like, that's the thing, is women are using men to mm. get, in a sense, what they can get. Really and men are using women okay, yeah. for social climbing and sort of like appearance and masculinity and like, well, because I, I say that's really interesting because I'm trying to work out what the stripper is. Like, why the strippers are like, why, why are they in a strip club and why is it... Because they're at a bachelor party, so like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know, I know. I know in general terms, like, that's what people do at bachelor parties. But what I'm saying is, in terms of, you know, this, st- the story they're trying to tell and the point they're trying to get across, there's a lot of focus on that stripper and there's a lot of focus on the stripper taking off a bra and then you see the next... Uh, shot is of that velvet sort of yeah. thing and then it then you get a shot of Pete just like sat there with the girl in the background mm. and it's this I don't know like, I, I don't get what that is I, I know that there's something there I'm not into, maybe, well, maybe it's something cheesy like the some things money just can't buy <laughs> I don't know I just 
Money and power can't get you everything. I think there's more to do with... I don't... I don't know. There's something about that, that stripper and how they're all sitting there and they're all paying to be there. And they're all paying for that. They're all paying for these girls. Like you said, I think I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that it's kind of this idea of them all buying this stuff. They're all buying. Or is it? Is it the idea of a tease? Like the whole thing with yeah. the, she's a strip tease. That's a, oh, do you know so what? So it's like, that, you know, really the whole thing is a tease. Well, because like the idea is because she takes off her bra and she's still got nipple yeah, things yeah. and everything. So you don't actually see anything. No. I find that. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it is a tease. It's it a is, tease. And it is a tease he's of like... He's been teased. She's teased, teasing him. Yeah, he's like, telling you. And like, that kind of explains what happens next. Mm. And why the two of them... Like, so the next scene is Pete go. Is the next scene? The next no, scene no, is, the next scene is not Pete going no. to everything. Okay, so the next scene is... Let's, actually, fuck that. Let's talk about the next... Let's talk about Pete going to see... Um, Peggy. Peggy, because that's really... I, feel, I find... How that kind of plays into the idea of this strip club is really interesting. So for me, the idea that they both get... Actually, no, you go first. Let me tell me what you think. Because I'm talking So I think Peggy's a very silly girl. Right, okay. Um, but I think I understand where right. she's coming from. Because I think he comes to her, there's no... Suddenly there's no audience. There's no... But what I really... What I found so interesting about that scene is that he says to her, you must think I'm such a creep, but he's not looking at yeah. her. He's like looking above her head. Yeah. And it's doesn't kind of say, like... Doesn't he say something, something about her looking at him as well? Yeah, she says that. Yeah, it's just sort of, I think he's he wants validation. He's come out of this. He says, I wanted to see you, that's it. Yeah, I wanted to see you. He wants validation. But he's not looking at her. No. He because he wants to feel like he's one of like he could go out he could score he could get whatever he wants yeah. and he's gone to a strip club yeah. and can't get what he wants yeah. so he goes to find someone who is less powerful than him right um, and tries to but he doesn't see it that way in yeah. the sense that I think he thinks he's he's going to walk away from that and he's got one over Dom yeah okay. And he's also got his leg over. Yeah. He's also what he exactly what he should be, and that's the reason it works is because she wants to fit in and he wants to fit in. Yeah. And therefore. But I feel like, on the wider scale and the from a, from the, the viewpoint of, the uh, from the viewpoint of the song, in the um, you know the smoke gets in your eyes song. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go back to it and sort of read a bunch of lines from it again so the, 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 it's basically four four verses in that song and the second verse is um, all who love are blind oh oh when your heart's on fire you must realize smoke gets in your eyes so to me that's kind of like this initial idea of like that first verse the, the first ver the well the first two verses are about like the first part of this episode where you know, Don, um, but Peggy and Pete are basically doing what they're told. They're, they're doing what they're told because that's the right thing to do. Mm. So, like, um, my true love was true. Oh, of course, I replied. Something there inside cannot be denied. It's the right thing to do. It's, it's what you should be doing. The second part of the song is, um, yet today my love has flown away and I am without my love. Now laughing friends deride tears I cannot hide. 
oh so I smile and say when a lovely flame dies smoke gets in your eyes mm. so again you're blinded but for a, you're blinded be, you're blinded for a different reason this mm. time and to me that's kind of so again it's about it's about risk and it's about it's about expectations and it's also about shame and like this idea that kind of you do the right thing and you don't get what you want and then you feel fucked up and then you make an even bigger mistake and I feel like that's kind of what happened here where the rejection of those two characters kind of led them to basically sleep with each other yeah and um yeah so basically smoke gets in your eyes is a big sort of thing running through the yeah because I don't I don't know if either of them actually care about the other at all it it almost doesn't matter who that person is it's all about themselves it's all about self-validation totally yeah and it's all about yeah soothing themselves and sort of this idea again of like um, self-medication the whole country the whole the whole society being on a drug of risk and sort of doing the wrong thing um but yeah, let's talk about, um, I, I feel like the next, um, the, well, the scene before it with um, Don and Rachel in a meeting, I feel like that kind of feeds into that as well. So, quote of the episode comes from this scene. Okay, okay. Love this scene. Yeah. And my quote of the episode is, what you call love was invented by guys like me to sell nylons. Yeah. Because I think that's basically the whole point of this episode. Because yeah. it's like, like these men feel like they can control the world and not just in the sense of like money and masculinity and power yeah. but also through emotion right, okay. but also through like this is how powerful we are that you are not married because you're looking for that thing that, that doesn't exist that, that we brilliant. told you existed right and i feel like that is such a a ridiculously powerful thing to say yeah. it's like She's sitting there saying, no, I didn't get married because I haven't met the right person. And yeah. that's like almost her choice. Yeah. And again, he takes that power off her because says, well, you haven't found that kind of love because I invented it and it's not real. Uh, yeah. And it's like, I think that it's such a good scene because you could tell she sort of knows what he's saying. Yeah. Um, but and I think that's a huge thing that's up for debate because I feel like that's as relevant now as it was then. Like with movies and everything. Yeah. What do you think about the way she responded? I can't remember. How. I was so like, whoa, <laughs> deep done. That's some deep thinking. So I think, so here's what I think about this scene. I think that Don comes into this scene. And so, so basically I, I had that theory that, um, that the roles between the two had been switched. And like, you know, you debunked it. It might not be true, but I don't know. But like, the start of this scene is about this really heavily focused on their drinks. Mm. And Don has his old fashioned whiskey. His whiskey. Yep. Uh, and uh, She has know, a Mai Tai. She has a Mai Tai. It's a great the, choice. The, the girliest drink you can possibly imagine. Like, Mai Tai is a pretty strong cola. I can imagine, but it looks very feminine, let's mm-hmm. just say. And like, and it's like a plant growing It looks up. like it does. It does. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I, and so for me this idea so they've, they've gone back to their original roles in my mind and uh, now Don is basically Don's walked into me he's very cocksure and he's very kind of like he, he apologises gets that out of the way and then it's like he goes in for the kill right? mm. he's gonna sleep with his girl tonight and um, and he start, and he does that whole thing like why aren't you married and she says like because I haven't found you know I'm not in love and all mm. this kind of stuff and then he says what he says like I invented love. 
you know and then he gives her this big sort of speech about how he invented love and love doesn't exist and everything and he's really confident he's really cocky through the whole thing and then Rachel kind of looks at him and goes oh I didn't realise it before but you're alone and you don't and for me she just cuts him down if you watch Don after that he's a totally different person the air's gone out of him he's like she's kind of nailed him she mm. worked out exactly who he is and I feel like when Don was doing that speech about the nylons and everything to some degree it, well, actually no to not a degree the whole point is he's talking about so again back to the song this whole song about this idea of love being this true thing and undeniable and this strong force that kind of like forces you together and everything he's basically describing this idea of love that is being sold to a lot of people and a lot of people believe in mm-hmm. true yeah but she doesn't believe in that kind of love that's not what she meant when she said i haven't been in love she meant connection she meant just kind of like you know hanging out just kind of like being together and you know that kind of you know yeah you're right actually yeah because he doesn't he describes it as being like thunderbolt love doesn't he and he that's what love is to him yeah and it's that's but and that's a love that he they claim to have created yeah exactly that whole idea of that and because he because he doesn't believe in that which is why which is why he struggles to connect with people well does he not believe in it because the thing is unlike rachel he is married so at one point he must have believed in it. Well, no, 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 he right. doesn't. But that's the thing is he doesn't have to believe in it because he married thinking that it's not a real thing anyway. So he'll just marry whoever. I don't believe that. You don't I, believe I, that? I don't you believe think th- he really loves her? No, I don't. But I feel like he he married... Well, so here's the thing. So let's think about like the fact that they're married. The fact that he married someone. He went out and married someone. He, he went out Yeah, there. because he's supposed to marry someone. Exactly. Because you're supposed to marry someone who yeah. gives you that kind of... That feeling. Of, no, no. Because he's supposed to marry someone. No, because I don't think he would go out... I don't think he'd marry someone. And I don't think... He'd, I don't see... I, see, this is the thing. This is. I think this is kind of like... Um, the way we view the character Don, mm. and I'm, I guess I'm viewing it from a male point of view, um, maybe a bit more sympathetically than you are. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> and I feel like even for Don to get married, Don is like, Don is a very private person, and I feel like in order, for, he would at one point, especially understanding his backstory as well, at one point Don would have believed in that idea of the fundable of of everything. That's why he's able to sell it. And so he married um, Betty. Uh, Betty. He married Betty on that promise of this true love, this one thing. It goes back to the song again. He married Betty on this, 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 this um, promise of this true love, this thunderbolt thing, and it didn't work out. And that's why he's like sleeping around and he's meeting all these other people. And that's why, in his mind, um, he's kind of he's taken this idea of love and said it doesn't exist. Because it can't exist. Because if it did exist, he would have it. Yeah, but he, but I I feel like that isn't true. Because if he'd had that love, then he would know that it did exist I in the first place. This is what well, this. Well, I guess so. What? What? I, I guess the reason I'm saying that is because without going into too much about Don's background, he he would. Feel, I guess it depends on how you feel about love itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to me, actual genuine love, and I say this as a single man in his 40s, I like, so don't take anything I say as like, you know, um, the truth or anything like that. I, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but love really 
when you sort of boil it down, is essentially like a connection between two people. Absolutely. No, I 100% agree with that. And it's not this kind of like, it isn't this kind of thunderbolts and lightning thing. The thunderbolts and lightning happens for whatever reason. We can, again, we could say it's like this whole hit of a drug, right? It's this whole kind of like this feeling of for one second or for a, a moment, you're kind of, you feel like you're on top of the world, but then that fades. Then what you're left with is this like authentic feeling of love, which is just kind of like a connection that's kind of boring, and and I feel like that's Don has that. Don has that with his wife. He's kind of like he had the whole thunderbolts and lightning. I genuinely believe that he wouldn't just marry someone because it was the right thing to do. I no, I well, I don't think it was the right thing to do. I think it was the expected thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, exactly, like, exactly. I I I do at this point and like I say I know less than you at this point. Yeah. But I think he is the kind of person that would do that because he is also the kind of person who sticks to other societal viewpoints. Yeah. But I think in order to get to that point, in order to get to that point of like like you wouldn't just marry someone off the street. There would have to be that. I like. I believe that Don feels this idea of thunderbolts. I I believe he got that from the person he married, Betty. But okay, there's something that we haven't mentioned, which is the part in the episode where he drops his medal on the floor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that says something about sense of duty. Okay. And I feel like Don feels he has a duty. Like Don. Like, probably a lot of men of that, you know, because, I mean, it's easy for me to sit here and go, oh, masculinity and power and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But I also think there was such a an important element of duty for the men yeah. in this. And especially for someone like him who's, who's been in a war, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I feel like no Betty comment. is also a product of duty and yeah. that he had a duty to get married and have kids and he couldn't sustain his hedonistic lifestyle you know sleeping with whoever and blah blah which is why i think all the math because why would any of them get married i think they all have this same model where they i feel like the reason he married betty is because for the same reason he goes to midge when he's in trouble is that he doesn't want to like what you're saying he doesn't want to be alone i don't think he ever felt thunderbolts uh but maybe know. i'm I wrong I maybe know. i learned I something i knows? don't know um that's a i guess that's a yeah i guess me saying that he definitely felt thunderbolts is kind of that's me putting stuff in there as me projecting stuff onto it so is that never confirmed then i don't know i'm trying to think there's they do go into it but like i can't remember fully Mm. i've always felt that there's in order for him to well considering where i'm not going to spoil it but considering where betty comes from um, and considering who Betty is, I'm and considering who Don is as well, I imagine there was Thunderbolts, and I imagine he got something out of it. Oh, okay. But I don't think, yeah, I just don't think it lasted, and I don't think that he, yeah, and he's kind of in a weird place now where he can. It's not that I guess like it, and again, I probably get hated for this, but like. I don't totally hate them. I know he's kind of, he does shitty things. But everyone does shitty things. Yeah, and I, I feel like, I'm not saying that the stuff he does is good. I'm just saying like, I can kind of see where he's coming from in a way. And like, yeah. what like what he's, I don't think he's out there trying, like I don't think it's a calculated, he's not, 
basically, Don isn't gay, right? Don isn't married to... Don isn't like someone who would marry someone just because... Um, for, for appearances. He's married to her. But, but I mean, you're misunderstanding me, though, because I'm not saying that he doesn't love her. Right. I'm saying that the kind of love, the Thunderbolts love doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he doesn't love her. I'm not saying it... I'm not saying it exists now. I'm saying it did exist once. But I don't know about that. That's the thing. Right. I, I feel like he wouldn't say a sentence like, I invented that kind of love with it being a fact. Because otherwise he'd be like, you're searching for it. You might find it, but it's not going to last. But instead he says, that love doesn't exist. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. That's what he says. So, okay. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I guess my the the way I'm saying you're just very optimistic. The way I guess (laughs) I guess the way I read it is that he did um, he he felt it once and it didn't work out and now he he's too afraid to kind of feel it again if that makes any sense. Mm. All right. And it's kind of you know I I I don't know it's kind of is we don't really know do we? We'll never know. We'll never know. But let's just say that you're right. And then right. Let's move on. <laughs> well, let's move on to the last scene, which uh, is so beautifully shot. Yeah. I mean, so it's... Oh. I didn't really... So, okay. So, I spent a lot of time thinking about all the other scenes in this episode. But, like, this last scene, I, I agree with you. But I don't really know what else to say about it other than it's very nice. <laughs> so, it's lovely. But I think it's... So, it's there's interesting angles in this. Like, from a technical point of view. Right. Like, he comes home and it's shot from upstairs. It's almost like, so, as a, you know, I have a degree in media studies, everyone. <laughs> uh, and they always used to tell us. That, I like, don't, a, by the uh, way. Well, you don't need one. Um, they always used to tell us that, like, a low angle shot, which is it's shot from, like, at the top of the stairs down. Yeah. And that's always a shot to show someone's vulnerability or someone's, like, oh. you know, it's the power of someone. He comes into the home and he's sort of, like suddenly he, he almost has that vulnerability and you see that because he goes upstairs and he you know he's looked after and he's you know he's got his lovely beautiful wife yeah. then he goes in and sees his lovely beautiful kids yeah. and it just that shot at the end where she's like stood in the doorway and there's the two kids on the bed and he's just like got a hand on each one of the oh it's just it's like a painting it's like <laughs> yeah. a renaissance painting it's just beautiful yeah. and they do that a lot in this. <laughs> I mean, and I just... The thing is, I mean, at the time, obviously, we both... Well, I, I was watching the second time. You obviously knew that she was... Like, the first, I can't remember how I felt the first time yeah. I saw that. Um, but I think there is that... Obviously, it was supposed to defy your expectation of, like, you've watched this whole thing. You've assumed that he's the single, complicated, mysterious yeah. man. Yeah. And then, actually, it just turns out that he's just like everyone else. He's just a dude. And that's what, he's, that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and that's the two sides of Don Draper, in my opinion. Yeah, well, that's it, I guess. Uh, I guess that the reason I don't really have much to say about that scene is because it is, it basically is the whole episode kind of tied up in a bow. It's like this is what you've been watching. Pretty much. This whole idea about expectations and and um, taking risks and why we take risks and and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I guess um, that's it. There's not really much else to say about it. Uh, I think we should just end it there. Really. Yeah, so I, I think that was good. You I've, know? Got, I've got to say my um, catchphrase. Go on then. Sopranos is better. 
Oh, I've never seen The Sopranos. That'll be be the next thing after we finish like 1,200 episodes of Mad Men. Yeah, we'll do that in like 2034. Uh, Absolutely. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you later. Bye. See you later. Bye.